Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast from Taylor's Media. I'm Andy Davis. This is episode 13. I'm looking for some, but not for you, you jammy listeners, who get to hear from a couple of great guests today. First up, we've got Mark Butler from Butler Interiors in the Northwest, very experienced independent retailer, and he's giving us a very candid view on how he's planning for the other side of the current situation. And then we've got David Wolcott. He's the Managing Director for the UK and Europe at Fisher & Paykel. And we're going to hear about how he can maintain positive momentum with the growth of his brand. Very interesting stuff it is too. As always, I'd like to know what you're up to. If you've got an interesting story to tell or a positive point to make, perhaps you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. Find me on LinkedIn as Andrew Davis at Taylor's Media or email me andrewdavis at taylorsmedia.com. That email address is in the episode description. A slightly different shameless plug today. As many of you might have seen, I floated an idea on LinkedIn about a conceptual design competition for kitchen and bathroom designers stuck at home, and well, the response was unbelievable. So I'm doing it. I'm running it as a special lockdown extension of the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2020. We had the actual awards back at the start of March, of course, but the shortlist and winners here will get a proper trophy, and we will, of course, promote all of it via the Taylor's Media, social media and digital channels. So how will it work? Well, we will give everyone the same brief. You pick which room you want to design, or you can do more than one. You send it all to me, and I will get the same design judging panel that do our normal awards to judge them. You can use any design method you like, any CAD package, pencil and paper, cardboard and sellotape, I don't really care. And here's the twist. There'll be two categories, one for concept design of the year, and one for under-16's concept design of the year. In other words, you can get your stuck-at-home kids to have a go too. I'm pretty much making this all up as I go along, so I'm working on the brief as we speak, and that will be available early next week. So if you want to register your interest, go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards and give us your email address. I will then let you know when it's all open for business. As I say, it'll be early next week. I'll put that address in the episode description as well. There aren't any sponsors for this, but it would be great to get as many brands and suppliers involved too, so I'm running a prize pool. So if anyone wants to donate a prize... To put in the pot, I'll make sure you get plenty of public thanks. Prizes of product is great, of course, but we'll take anything. And also bear in mind that there will be under 16 winners too. You can get in touch with me via LinkedIn or email me, andrewdavis at taylorsmedia.com. Okay, let's get another retailer view now. We've got Mark Butler from Butler Interiors up in the northwest there. Mark, are you down the line? I'm here, Andy, yep. And how are you today, sir? Yeah, not bad at all, thank you. Enjoying the sunshine. It's a lovely day out here, so yeah, all's good. And it's a lovely day here too, so very nice stuff. So, for those who are unfamiliar, tell us a little bit about Butler Interiors, where you are, how many showrooms you have, etc. We've got two showrooms. We're based right on the Cumbria, Lancashire, Yorkshire border. The business was formed in 1998. I come from an installation background myself. We ran as an installation company for 10 years until the summer of 2008 when we opened our first showroom. We opened the second showroom in March last year. Currently, we've got eight members of staff, including myself, two of which are employed installers, which is something that we, well, I personally feel very strongly about. I've been there in-house installers. I believe that they're, they're the best way forward for our business. One of my installers started for me at the very beginning, so he's worked for me for 22 years. 
we work with a small number of suppliers only. My belief being that if we give them maximum turnover, they'll look after us in return. And in return from that, we can give our clients first-class service. Liam, my eldest son, started working for me about three years ago, and he's doing the New Books University course, the Open Foundation degree. Yeah, and that's really about it. Small family company, family values. We've never had a member of staff leave us, which again is something I'm proud of. We've sort of built the company up for myself and one fitter up to the eight now, and everyone that's worked for us has stopped with us for the duration. So this is real, uh, in the best possible way, classic independent kitchen retailer stuff. This is exactly what, what, what it's all about. Give us an idea of what your current status is. I'm assuming showrooms are closed, etc. but are you picking up any work? The showrooms are closed, you're absolutely right. We we continued installing up until Friday of last week to finish off a couple of three jobs that we, we had in, in progress. But yeah, the, the showrooms are closed. We're still getting one or two inquiries coming in. Nothing much, if I'm being brutally honest with you. Having said that, we are, we are trying to put things in place that hopefully will drive a bit of traffic to our website and, uh, and hopefully there are inquiries out there send them over that our direction so we can get a fair a fair share of those. We are lucky in the fact that only three or four weeks ago we launched a brand new website, which, you know, we couldn't have timed it any better, really, from that point of view. It's a website that I'm proud of. We've spent a lot of time building it, and if I say so myself, it's particularly good. So we are looking at things now of, of getting traffic to our website. One of our big suppliers approached me the back end of last week and asked if I wanted to join them to do a marketing campaign, which is something we're just in the middle of setting up now, which should, if it all goes to plan, send over about 85,000 impressions a month to our website. So we'll see where that leads. Is that BSH? It is BSH, yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, I think we're at the stage, aren't we, where um, a lot of people are looking at support uh, in marketing, getting traffic through to websites. What planning can you do? What planning can you put in place that will set you up well for what happens on the other side of this? I think, obviously, it's new territories, these two of them, so we're sort of learning every day. We are, we are as a company, just trying to do our, our hardest to to succeed going forward. As I say, we're doing what we're doing with BSH. We have got the website in place. We're having regular Zoom meetings with our staff members and we're doing an awful, awful lot of financial planning. I think key is at the moment is to is to look after the money that we've got in the bank. We're a relatively strong company. Having said that, it won't last forever. So again, we're in that we're, we're already speaking to everyone and everyone that we can do to um, try and look after money as best we can. I've done cash flow forecastings, which enable, well, I know that at this moment in time, we've got well over £200,000 worth of work within the pipeline that we can't invoice either finishing or start work. So again, I am just a true believer at this moment in time, just trying to look after what we've got and make sure that we do come out the other side of it in a strong position. One of the things I'm asking people about this week is that they've been given a gift of time now, obviously, everyone's still busy, but I think when you're running a showroom or showrooms on a day-to-day basis, it's very you get very caught up in the day-to-day of just sorting out today's problems and those things that you always mean to get around to, you never quite do. Is there any stuff that you are going to do while you've got this time at home? There is, yeah. I'm just I'm exploring the, the possibilities of setting up a, a better database system. 
Uh, one of my colleagues that works alongside is very, very good with Excel as well. So we're, we're just in the process of setting up an, an in-house ordering system. One thing I have noticed during this situation at the moment, when I was left alone in the showroom and staff members had gone, it wasn't clear to me at what point within the ordering system we were with sinks, taps, lighting, etc., coming in for jobs. So again, we, we noticed straight away there there was a bit of a flaw that we needed to deal with. So we're already on with that. Next Monday, I'm doing a two-hour online course on YouTube. might sound really quite simple to other people, but to me, I'm out of my comfort zone. I know nothing about it, and we've never posted any YouTube videos. So again, over the time off, I'm looking at spending some time doing a little feature, little videos around the showroom, and hopefully by next Monday, I will have a better indication on exactly how to, how to use that. I'm trying to get a, a, my head around SEOs, and website marketing, which again is all new to me. But you're quite right in what you say. As the director of the company, I spent my time running the company, managing the staff, but I also within my role, mine's project management of all the jobs that we do. So, you know, I am busy and, and I don't have enough time to do that. So, yeah, absolutely going to use my time wisely. Another thing that's come up in quite a few conversations is a lot of people are offering a remote design service for people. You know, very obviously, you know, one of the advantages that the, this industry has is that they can continue to communicate with clients, even new clients. But there's a bit of a debate going now, and it's a, it's, I guess it's a spin on a classic debate about whether or not you charge for that work. You, what people don't want to do is just to become a, basically a free design service for any old Tom, Dick or Harry coming over the internet. What's your position on that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And again, it's something we've just discussed in the office over the past couple of days. We have um, we have just put a new section on our website, and I am in the middle of today dealing with um, our design software company that uh, we're going to get a link through so that potential clients can um, do their room layout, etc., from home. So with the information that we're putting on the website, we're actively encouraging people to come and, and do that and send us photographs, send us dimensions, et cetera, et cetera. Having said that, I think you're absolutely right, and this is the discussions that we've had. Do you know, I don't think there's an easy answer. We're going to see how many inquiries we get, what sort of inquiries we get. We'll be placing those inquiries to see whether they're recommendations from people we've worked with already or whether they're just new people that come on board due to the extra promotional stuff that we're doing with the website. I think the, the, the truth is if we get an inquiry of someone 50, 100, 200 mile away wanting a kitchen design, we will probably be suggesting to them at the early stages that there will be a charge involved for that. If we get an inquiry for someone more local or a recommendation for an existing client, we'll probably paddle our way through that and see how the first two or three designs go and what sort of feedback we get and then make a decision further forward. But I don't think there's any, any rights and wrongs, to be fair. I guess what you don't want to do is set a precedent for what happens when the market comes back, do you? You don't, know. And again, purely by coincidence, we um, have just really started not, not charging for design. But again, the age-old conversation that people have is, do you charge for designs, whether we're in the situation we are or not? And actually, three months ago, we made that decision that we were going to start charging for designs that would be knocked off the deposit. So it's not a design fee as such. It's just something to release the, the perspectives and the plan. So, yeah, it, 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 it is. Yeah, I don't know the answer. No, and it's a hard one, isn't it? I think this is a new, again, these are all new problems that people are facing, aren't they? They desperately want to keep to be busy. They desperately want to get some leads in. But what you don't want is people taking advantage of you or doing work that is never going to go anywhere. That that's exactly it. You know, I, I've run a business 
now, well, I said the business up as I said previously in 1998, and we've been through a couple of recessions and Brexit, and of course now we're into this. It's just doing everything we can possibly do to protect us, isn't it? The charging a fee, whether that fee is then knocked off the final price or not, is about getting a, a level of commitment from the customer, isn't it? It is not about making money from it. It is, absolutely. And, and you've hit the nail on the head there. It is about getting that commitment. We, we will have all worked with clients that you truly believe in your heart of heart. You've got the rapport with the client and you've got that job. And five or six alterations down the line where the, where the price has been dictated fairly early on in the design process, they've gone elsewhere and bought a kitchen. Um, and the, the brief is, when they speak to you about that, the feedback is that um, you were too expensive. Where, again, it is by putting the design fee up front to that customer, it should hopefully stop people doing that to some degree. And I guess if that client is purely a, a remote one that you've never met in person and they've just come over the internet, you, that, that sense of insecurity with that commitment is even greater. It is, yeah, and of course you've got to ask yourself, haven't you, what you would do in their shoes as well, you know, realistically. Is it something you would do? Would you part money to a company that you've come across over the internet um, and you, you've had no face-to-face dealings with? My, one of the discussions we had earlier on this week is we, we do a German product. Now, you know, the German products, whichever brand of German product you do, they're all of, of the same sort of standard. So again, if the client is local enough, there's nothing to stop us still allowing clients to take sample doors, worktops, etc. We can drop those off without coming face to face with those people. So again, if it is local, that is that is something we would look at doing to try and strengthen our our rapport with them and our bond with that client. So hopefully they'd be comfortable in uh, in paying the design fee. Yeah, case by case basis. Well, look, Mark, this has been really really interesting. So thank you very much for sparing us a little bit of time today. But, of course, if you've heard the podcast before, you know what the next question is, don't you? I do know what the next question is, yes. What is your deserted Kitchen Island disc? I think it's going to have to be Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Oh, now someone's already had that. Now, I've got to come up, I've got to make. I've got to come up with the rules now, haven't I? Are people allowed to pick <laughs> more, the songs more than once? You know what? Why not? It's your song. Uh, it's the song that makes you happy. It's the most positive one for you, so I'm more than happy. We're going to double up. Lovely. That'll do. Brilliant. So, look, thanks for your time, Mark. We'll catch up again soon. Fantastic. Good to speak to you. You too, yeah. Bye-bye. Right, let's get the view of another big uh, supplier and manufacturer. Down the line, hopefully, we've got David Wilcott from Fisher & Paykel. Hello, David. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. You must be a very busy man, I'm guessing. You are the MD of UK and Europe, aren't you? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. And um, yes, we are extremely busy at the moment. Uh, unusual times. Yeah, it certainly is. So obviously, as I always say, we've got kitchen and bathroom people here. So give us a little bit of background on F&P. And, and I think most people have heard of Fisher & Paykel, but give us an idea of the scale of it. Yeah, sure. So Fisher & Paykel is a New Zealand-based company. And we have offices all over the world. Uh, we're present in over 50 markets. Our biggest markets are uh, North America, so US, Canada, uh, Australia, and the home markets of New Zealand. But we're growing very quickly uh, in Europe uh, and the UK as well, where we have been uh, for about 20 years. And, you know, this is classic premium appliance kitchen studio product that you do as well, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So, Certainly, kitchen is where the focus is for, for our organisation, and we really specialise in built-in and premium freestanding uh, products, and that's where we've been particularly successful of late. 
Now, obviously, you're coordinating the whole of Europe here, obviously, including the UK. What's the current state of play with Fisher & Paykel in the UK and across Europe? Up until the coronavirus topic, globally, performance was, was great. We were getting particularly strong growth out of uh, Europe and uh, the North American market. Uh, and Australia and New Zealand were sticking along very nicely where we already have big market shares. But then end of February into March, obviously for all of us in this industry, the world changed. And we're just trying to navigate our way through what is obviously a, uh, a human tragedy on, on, on so many levels. But uh, for us in our role, it's about creating um, stability in the markets in which we operate. And uh, as you can imagine, the last month, uh, my role and the, the heads of the market have been dedicated and focused towards uh, creating that stability for our, our retailers. Yeah, that's been an interesting task because it's something that none of us have, have ever had to do before. We've obviously included our team in New Zealand and they've included us fantastically well. And I must say to the team we've got in the UK, incredibly loyal, hardworking team, it's been uh, super flexible and very understanding of, of, of what we've, we've been trying to do over the last, um, particularly over the last couple of weeks. That's right. And of course, Fisher and Paykel is owned by Hire, um, we are, which is yeah. a Chinese company. Also, you could, depending on which way you measure it and which finger you have in the air, the, the biggest appliance company in the world. Have you got an idea of, of the current status of, of Hire? Obviously, because China was the first hit by this thing. We're obviously very close to our parent company from a, from a contact perspective, but they also allow their uh, brands to operate absolutely autonomously. So my main communications have been with the team in Auckland, of course, but being close to the executive, let, they have let me know uh, what the feelings of, of, of higher are as well, who uh, remain incredibly supportive of, um, of the brands that they operate throughout the world. Um, but obviously China has been particularly impacted uh, at the end of last year and right at the beginning of this year with the uh, with the impact in Wuhan. And uh, the factory shutdown was extended following the Chinese New Year. But at the moment, it's great to see that normality, whatever that means now, is very much coming back to, to the higher organisation in China, where they obviously have a very, very big domestic market. And we are seeing limited disruption for the for the global supply chain although I mean, they are there the supply chain disruptions are certainly there but it seems that china are coming through what was a what was a really tricky time for them but they seem to get ahead of it and um, really contain that virus particularly well so um yeah it's, it's, it's i think we've understood this coronavirus doesn't discriminate it impacts all companies all countries but i've I just believe it's really made it's, it's brought out the best uh, in a lot of us, and um, that's that, that's absolutely where my mindset is. It's funny how so much talk of of globalization as a as a either a force for good or a force for bad, hasn't it? But this has kind mm. of shown globalization in a completely uh, non denominational way. There are certain things that can that we are all under one umbrella, no matter what you yeah. do, no matter what country you're yeah. from. Well, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more positively. I think. You know, this as as you are talking about what's happening in China, this this will come to an end eventually. There will be, a, you know, the lockdown will end. We'll all be allowed out again. What yeah. can you do as a brand in the UK to plan for what comes next? You know, you are yeah. a growing brand. You know, your your market share is relatively small compared to you know some big German brands. But you yeah. know, you are growing all the time. You're getting a good reputation for yourself. How do you plan for what comes next? 
I think it's fascinating. I think we've got our long-term plans for, for the five years that remain very much in place. And we, we are really considering what the next three to six months mean for our business. And uh, we've recut our forecasts. Um, we've had good conversations with the retailers. Uh, and most importantly, we've been absolutely upfront with our team and the small number of, of people that we have furloughed from the beginning of this week. But our, our planning is around all of the things that not only heads of market need to be concerned about, but, but everybody throughout the organization. And that's ensuring that first and foremost, we adhere to um, all of the global and the local laws. I mean, that is, that is absolutely paramount. But wrapping that interpretation around do the best for your particular team so that they remain protected, yet they are brought in on the journey of us having to continue to keep the uh, keep the wheels turning, particularly for customers who have got refrigeration in their homes, which is a critical appliance, and keeping the, car, the customer's appliances serviced during this time as well. So that's, that's really difficult. So from a long-term perspective, uh, and it's about keeping the long-term strategy rolling, but then quickly as we've said that, we've got to flick to managing the business week by week and changing and adapting at lightning speed. And uh, as I said, it, it, it's not just Fisher and Paykel who, who are on this road. Um, I've heard and listened to some great stories, which uh, you've, you've, of course, shared yourself on how companies are adapting really quickly with some really solid morals and ethics um, on how we've got to conduct ourselves over the next, certainly over the next period of, of weeks and months. I think what I'm quite interested in here is is what you do with a brand that's trying to gain momentum. Hmm. I mean, obviously, you've been around in the UK for a very long time. Of course, you have. Yeah. But if, you know, if yeah, if you if you're one of the big German companies, you say your 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 focus will be on maintaining supply, maintaining yeah. supply chain. Yeah. But your focus is is very much on building a momentum, trying to get your appliances into those showrooms, gaining yeah. a reputation. This pauses all that, or can you carry on yeah. through it? I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I think we were super fortunate to be able to show our brand at the KDB show. And that was days before the lockdown started. And I think that would have been really demoralizing for our team if we weren't able to attend the show. And conversations that I had with everybody at the show, everyone had a sense that, wow, we were, we were lucky to be able to present in the way that we did. So we feel extremely lucky. Um, in terms of where we are as a brand, even though in the general market sense, we still have relatively small market shares, we are dominant in a number of subcategories, dish drawer and French drawer refrigeration. And we're balancing that now with really strong growth in cooking. So if we break that down between where we distribute and our sales channels, uh, John Lewis Appliances Online, for example, are behaving at the moment as you'd expect them to. So really big company, decent processes, really good communications with us, and they're taking the decisions which support them and their customer. And to a larger extent, we need to fit in with their processes and, and how they are growing or not at this particular time. The smaller folks in cabinet makers have a myriad of approaches to this topic. Some have almost continued as business as usual because they are halfway through an installation, but the vast majority of in inverted commas, selling has stopped or is very low at the moment, although some are doing uh, a lot digitally and online, so you can have a sort of virtual meeting. 
And we are really supporting that with a lot of our digital tools that we've got at the moment. And Fisher & Paykel as a, as a global brand is very fast in the digital space. So we've been able to get a run at those customers who still want to engage with us at a distance. There's two strands of thought in my head with this. Mm. One is that in times like this, people want to stick to what they know and so are therefore probably more reluctant maybe to stop using a supplier that they're very familiar with or a brand and and, and switch to a, a different brand because it's, it's sort of slightly out of the ordinary or it's a big change for yeah. them. And so that is yeah. very much a barrier to what you're trying to achieve. But on the, yeah. other, on the other hand, what this whole period is making people do is look at their businesses in a new way, look mm. for new opportunities, reflect on what their business might have to be when we come out the other side of this and therefore they might be looking yeah. looking for new opportunities or new changes or new ways of doing things yeah. you're clearly aiming at the, the, the latter not the former but yeah is that a switch of strategy for you no i think i think we just need to be fairly philosophical i mean when i moved back to the uk from from australia three years ago it was brexit and brexit was nobody wants to change from the brands that they're using because of Brexit or everybody wants to change from the brand that they're using because of Brexit. So I think it's not about the scenario really. It's about the mentality and the psychology of the retailers you're working with. I think everybody will, will find an excuse not to change brands. Similarly, there are businesses who are always changing and evolving. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this set of circumstance. Some are locking down, doing nothing, had taking a super conservative approach around saving costs and not trying to work within the constraints that they've got, where others others are saying, we are not going to waste this crisis. We are going to evolve digitally as quickly as we can. We're going to try new technologies. We're going to try new brands. If this hasn't worked for us over the next 12, last 12 months, let, let, let's try with someone else. And that's certainly where Fisher & Paykel uh, have always gained because we've always been a challenger brand and we've always had very unusual um, market-leading inventions and innovations, be it um, integrated dish drawers or flush-fitting flush integrated French, French door refrigerators. These products simply don't exist because methods don't have them. So we've always had that approach of, of, of working with brands who are willing to try a new technology driven by consumers who want the best possible appliance that they can buy for their for their particular application. And similarly with, with designers and architects, there are conservative designers and architects, and there are those who are constantly pushing the envelope. We exist in the latter. Which is a very positive uh, approach, and that's what we like hearing on this thing. What's the situation like over in New Zealand at the moment, David? Because they've been through a lot, mm. haven't they? What with all those orcs and the goblins and the yeah. elves uh you know mordor <laughs> was an absolute nightmare for them nightmare, yeah. that must Unreal. have that must have really affected business over there and so they're, yeah. they're they're used to a level of disruption i'm i'm looking about of course the, yeah, of course. the most important question here david of course that yeah. everyone really wants to know is what is mm -hmm. your deserted kitchen island disc what is the one like, positive feel-good song that always makes you feel good and gets you singing along you know, before you said what makes you feel good, I would have said Radiohead, but that definitely doesn't make you feel good. No, that, that doesn't fit into this at all. I do love Radiohead. What would it be? I really like James. Do you know James Morrison? Yeah. Probably Right By Your Side. So you're going to go for Right By Your Side by James Morrison? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a soppy one. Perfect. David, thanks so much for your time today. I can only imagine how no busy problem. you are. So we'll catch up again yeah. soon, but thanks for your time. 
before. No problem. Thank you very much. Bye, bye. A big thank you to Mark Butler and David Woolcott. We'll be back very soon with another episode, but don't forget the lockdown special design competition. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to sign up. And don't forget to check out our other Kitchen and Bathroom Design podcast by searching Kitchen and Bathroom Design in your podcast app or going to podcast.kbbreview.com. See you next time. Thank you.